Have you ever wondered how theology, apologetics, and real life come together? Join Pastor Brandon as he covers these topics in his series titled Life's Big Questions. Here's Pastor Brandon. Take your copy of God's Word, and I'm going to have you turn to a few passages of Scripture tonight. Um, the first of which is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, okay? <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, I hope you have a study guide. If not, there's a couple extra copies here up front. We won't think anything of it if you want to just come down here and get a copy if you don't have one. Uh, there's some right here on this table. Um, last few weeks, I've really been in a study on uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What's the role of the Spirit? Uh, what does He do? What does He produce in our lives? Why is His ministry so very important? And really... We've considered how understanding the ministry of the Holy Spirit should be important to every person who's trusted Jesus Christ. Because understanding the Spirit's ministry, who He is, what He's come to do, this is absolutely basic to Christian living. And so questions that we've sort of looked at over these last few weeks, uh, we've considered the question, who is the Holy Spirit? And so we've talked about the person of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit various symbols of the Holy Spirit. Um, can I be confident that I'm a believer? Can I have assurance of my salvation? Can I ever lose my salvation? We dealt with that question because that question is linked to an understanding of the Spirit's ministry in your life as a believer. It's, it's the power of the Spirit that's keeping us, um, God's keeping grace it's, it's the Holy Spirit who's preserving us as believers in Jesus. And then we began looking at this question last Wednesday night, what does the Spirit provide? Uh, what is it that he's come to provide in the believer's life? And so um, in your introduction there on your study guide, I'll come back to this in just a second, but the provision of the Spirit involves gifts that have been given to us really for the glory of God, uh, for the benefit of the church, and for the success of the mission of making disciples. So did you know that everything that God has commanded us to do, he empowers us to do? Someone has said that God's commandments are also his enablements. God will never command you to do something and not at the same time give you the power to carry out that command. You can't do it in the energy of your own flesh, your own strength. You've got to have the power of God and the life of the Spirit. He's come to live within you to empower you as far as being an obedient disciple for Jesus. Now, there are really five things that the Spirit provides in our lives and I'm just going to give these to you, and then I'm coming back. Last week, I talked about the first thing, um, fruit, okay? What exactly does the Spirit provide? He produces fruit, and we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, and the most descriptive passage in the New Testament where we see this is Galatians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul talks about uh, the works of the flesh, and then sort of... Um, compares those to the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so it's the Spirit who produces this fruit in the life of a believer. And so think of the fruit of the Spirit as being um, the character of Jesus Christ that's supernaturally being reproduced in your life as a Christian. And so all of those, those uh, qualities or characteristics that are mentioned in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, those are Christ-like qualities. And it's something that's alien to me, but it's something that's produced in me through the indwelling Spirit. And so the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we'll talk tonight about the gifts of the Spirit. In addition to producing fruit, the Bible says that the Spirit also imparts gifts to every believer. And then down at the bottom of your study guide, uh, numbers three, four, and five, the Spirit provides illumination. It's the Holy Spirit who enables us to understand and apply the truth of God's Word. And then He supplies wisdom. 
It's the Spirit who brings wisdom to our lives as God's people. And that's important to know when you have decisions to make in life and how to live your life and those kinds of things. And he offers intercession. Now I'll come back to those last three. I really want to look at number two tonight, the fact that the Spirit of God imparts gifts to every believer. Without exception, every single believer is gifted in some way by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm sure that many of you have seen the movies that are based on the Chronicles of Narnia books that were written by C.S. Lewis. Have any of you ever read the books themselves, the Chronicles of Narnia? Just a couple of us have. Um, But the movies are great, and they're, they're pretty true to how things go in Lewis's book. But the first book was called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Now, there's a scene in the movie that captures this well, uh, where Father Christmas gives the children uh, mysterious gifts, all right? They're in Narnia. Some of you may not want to know what I'm talking about, but Narnia is sort of a magic land that the children go to through the wardrobe, and there's an evil witch. Uh, the, Narnia is under the spell of the evil witch, and Aslan, the lion, is really the king of Narnia. And so Lewis intended that to sort of be a picture of Jesus. And so there's a lot of allegory and symbolism in those books. Well, Aslan or Father Christmas gives uh, the children gifts, and they don't really understand the gifts that they're given at the time or why they would need them. But the gifts would prove to be essential in the coming battle that they're to have with the the witch uh, and her minions. Uh, For example, in the heat of battle, near the end of the book, uh, Lucy, one of the little girls in the the story, uh, she realizes that her gift of healing ointment had been given to her in order to bind up the wounded in that battle. And so it made sense to her in the heat of the battle why she had been given a healing ointment. Or her brother Peter uh, realizes his sword that had been given to him um, was intended to sort of be his offensive weapon as he led the charge against the white witch. So in those moments, they each perceived what Aslan wanted from them in the heat of conflict by looking at their gifts. Now, C.S. Lewis intended for that to really drive home this point that the Spirit of God has gifted us for the purpose of the mission the conflict that we're engaged in as the followers of Jesus. And so in addition to producing fruit and Christ-like character in my life as a believer, the Holy Spirit also gifts me and gifts you for the purpose of serving the church and advancing the cause of Jesus Christ in the world. Now I've got to say this again because last night I emphasized, or last Wednesday night, I emphasized how the fruit of the Spirit is more important than the gifts of the Spirit. And we often get that reversed. We tend to think that uh, the world would be mesmerized by our gifts, when in reality it's the Christ-like character that the Spirit produces in our lives. That's got to be first and foremost in my life, even, even before the exercising of a gift. You know, it's possible for you to be an extremely gifted person but also it's possible to be a spiritually immature person at the same time. You better be careful that your giftedness doesn't put you in a position where your character can't keep you. So character is absolutely essential. Christ-like character, the fruit of the Spirit. And yet, at the same time, the Holy Spirit gives every single believer, every single person who's a part of the body of Christ has been gifted by the Spirit for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. So I want to ask you this question tonight. You're a believer. Do you know your spiritual gift? Do you know your specific gifting? Because knowing this is essential to understanding what the Holy Spirit wants from your life. And and walking in the Spirit involves serving in the area of your giftedness. Now, sometimes we use this word uh, anointed, We throw that word around a lot in Christian circles, and we say, oh, so-and-so is anointed for that, or so-and-so is anointed for this. And and I know what we we mean when we say that. It's basically a way of us sort of communicating that that person just seems to be um, 
especially endowed with power for that specific task. But do you know that in a sense, every believer is anointed? Every believer, uh, this anointing for service does not belong to just a special few in the church, but it's the birthright of every single believer. You say, how do you know that? Well, because if you have the Holy Spirit, you're anointed for service. And that's exactly what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 1. He says, it's God who establishes us with you in Christ. It's God who's anointed us with his spirit. Referring to every single believer. Okay, so the Holy Spirit imparts gifts to every single believer. Now, we may not all have the same gift, but that doesn't mean that we're not all gifted. We are gifted. And there are varying degrees of giftedness in different gifts. So um, we tend to think only of a few people as being those who were gifted often in the church. When in reality, every single person who makes up the body of Christ is gifted by the Spirit in some measure. Okay? So uh, what exactly do we mean by this term spiritual gifts? I don't have this on the screen, but maybe you want to jot this down there in the margin of your notes. But think about a simple definition for spiritual gifts being this. A spiritual gift is a divinely bestowed ability given to every true believer in Jesus Christ in order to serve the church. A spiritual gift is a divinely bestowed ability given to every true believer in Jesus Christ for the purpose of serving the church. And so the reason that God's Spirit gives gifts to us is that we've been given this mission of making disciples and and serving as ambassadors to the world. And Ephesians chapter 4 is going to, um, it, it says that when Christ ascended to heaven, he gave gifts to his church for the sake of the mission. Okay, so uh, a spiritual gift. Don't think of it as being the same thing as a human talent. All right, talent and giftedness, these are two different things, spiritually speaking. All right, you can be a very talented person and not even be a believer. Right? So human talent and a spiritual gift is not the same thing. All of us have talents. All of us have things that we do well. Uh, Some people are multi-talented. Uh, But you don't have to be a Christian to be a talented person. Now, when you get saved, when you become a believer, uh, you bring your talents with you to the table. And I'm I'm grateful to God that those talents and abilities get baptized and God can use them, right? But they're not the same thing as spiritual gifts that are given to you by God. Now, natural talent may be involved in your spiritual gift in some way, but the focus is not on your ability, The one overriding purpose of a spiritual gift is to serve the family of faith, uh, to enhance the body of Christ, to move the church forward. Uh, Listen to what Tony Evans said. Uh, He said, the distinguishing feature of a spiritual gift is the blessing and the empowering of God on it when it's used for him. And when a person has the spiritual gift of teaching, for example... You receive more than just facts for the mind to store because your heart is stirred and moved to follow Christ. So you you see the spiritual dynamic then that's at work through the gift. Someone who just has an ability to teach might be able to engage and fill your mind with just a bunch of facts. But let me tell you, it takes a spiritual gift that God imparts to be able to take truth And the Spirit of God communicate that truth to the heart of a believer and that believer's heart fall in love more and more and more with Jesus. That's the sign of a spiritual gift at work in a person's life. So you might could say that spiritual gifts differ from natural abilities in the results that they produce. Natural ability can often lead a person to praise you. But spiritual gifts are given for the purpose of leading others to praise God through you. So you serving in your spiritual gift, you know that you've got it wrong if you're serving to receive praise from other people, right? If you're gifted to serve, 
It, it ought to be the exercising of that gift that leads you to want to see others heap all of the praise and all of the glory on Jesus and not you. Okay, so that's, that's one of the major differences between human ability and spiritual giftedness. Okay, now there are three basic categories of spiritual gifts that we often see mentioned in the New Testament. All right, you can write these down in your margins too. Uh, the first category are serve, serving gifts. Okay, the New Testament talks about various gifts that are given uh, as far as tangible service. Think about showing mercy and generosity and these kinds of things. So there are serving gifts. And then you also have um, speaking gifts. Teaching, prophecy, and then those kinds of things. So speaking gifts, uh, serving gifts, and then there are sign gifts. And in particular, these were associated with the ministry of the apostles. Certain sign gifts that you often see, think about the, the gift of languages that we've seen in Acts chapter 2. Or gifts of healings and those kinds of things. Um, sign gifts. The purpose for those specific gifts was to advance the gospel. It was intended for, to be a sign to unbelievers. And so it authenticated the, the message of the gospel. So there were signs that were evident in the lives of the apostles because those signs and wonders really authenticated the message that they were preaching. All right, you see the same thing in the life of Jesus, the Son of God. Everywhere he went, you know, Jesus went and there were miracles that he performed, you know, feeding the 5,000, um, raising the dead, um, opening the eyes of the blind, causing the deaf to hear. Those were signs that authenticated and proved that he was who he said he was, the Son of God. All right, so these are various categories of gifts that are mentioned in the New Testament. Four primary passages in the New Testament that deal specifically with spiritual gifts. All right, the one we're going to look at here in just a second, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the others being Ephesians chapter 4, Romans chapter 12, and then 1 Peter chapter 4. So 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4. These deal with spiritual gifts. And I want to look at these. And we'll just see how far we get tonight. We'll look beginning at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 shows how spiritual gifts are really an issue of spiritual maturity. Okay, so what the Apostle Paul has to say about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it has to do with spiritual maturity. Now, more is said about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 than any other place in the entire New Testament. And the reason for that was the level of spiritual maturity that was characteristic of the Corinthian church. Of all the churches in the New Testament, the church at Corinth was the most worldly. <laughs> it was the most divided, the most carnal. And in his letters to the Corinthian church, Paul uses some really strong language uh, to, to really get the attention of these believers who had become so divided. And so much of their division was centered around different levels of spiritual gifts. They had more problems with spiritual gifts than anybody else in the New Testament. Now, it wasn't because they were lacking in spiritual giftedness, because Paul's very clear in the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 uh, he says, you are not lacking in any gift. And yet, despite the fact that they had been gifted by the Holy Spirit, uh, the believers in Corinth were spiritually immature. So much so that Paul said in chapter 3, he said, I had to feed you with milk like a bunch of spiritual babies. So you can have all the spiritual gifts it's possible to have and still be as immature as an infant. And that's the point that Paul makes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. All right, there is no direct correlation 
between being spiritually gifted and being spiritually mature. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is more important than the giftings of the Spirit. And so when you forget that and you make it all about your gift, that'll often lead to chaos and division in the body of Christ. So again, you look there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you'll notice that Paul begins this subject uh, by saying this. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. Right, so the word spiritual gifts there translates a Greek word, pneumatica. What what, what was the Greek word for spirit? Y'all remember? Pneuma, okay, pneuma, which means wind or breath. So pneumatica here, he's talking about spiritual gifts. That's kind of a weird word. It doesn't necessarily uh, fully translate into English, but it implies spiritual experience. It's the idea that God gives to us and to others through us experiences with his spirit through these gifts. Let me just tell you what that means. It means the spirit's gifts in your life as they're being operated, as they're being exercised in the power of the spirit, God will bring blessing to those around you for Christ's sake. Others will be able to sense the power of God, the presence of God at work in and through your life as a believer. And so that's what that word really means. The idea is that it's through these spiritual gifts, pneumatica, the spirit himself touches people, cares for people, ministers to people, speaks to people. Remember the Christian life, it's not about you doing something for God, but it's God doing something through you. It's his power at work in your life. And so this is why Paul captures this analogy of um, the body of, of Christ. The church is, he compares it to a physical body, a human body. Think about how your body works. Uh, in my physical body, my head works through each of my members, each of the parts of my body in order to accomplish its desires. Right? Uh, if my brain wants to scratch an itch in my left elbow, my brain does not send this magic lightning bolt of brain power to my left elbow for relief. You know how my brain works? It sends a message to my fingers on my right hand and says, hey, your elbow, your, your, your brother itches. Scratch him and bring some relief. That's this amazing thing, how God has created the human body to function. So does the fact that my fingers on my right hand do the work, does that lessen the fact that it's, it's the will of my brain that's being expressed? Absolutely not. My brain works through my fingers. Now think about this. Apart from the brain, the fingers on my right hand couldn't do anything. But in feeling the touch of my fingers, my elbow is experiencing the will of my mind. Now, you apply that spiritually to the body of Christ with what the Apostle Paul says about how the body of Christ is to function. Much in the same way, God works on earth through his body, the church. Uh, He empowers his church as his voice, his heart, his hands. You remember the song by Casting Crowns, If We Are the Body? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And so on and so forth. It conveys this same principle. God, the life of God, is at work through us as the members of the body of Christ to bring blessing to the lives of those around us. So it's not us working for him as much as it's him working in and through us. Jesus Christ is the head of the body. You might could say he's the brain. He's the very life of the body, acting through his members to do his work. That's what pneumatica means. That's what spiritual gifts mean. This word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It's God himself working through you as a believer to scratch an itch. So it's not about you. It's, it's not about you 
receiving something. See, the thing is, we tend to make our spiritual gifts all about us. People say, well, I'm just not serving. They're not letting me serve in my area of gifts here. I'm going to go down the church down the road. Well, let me ask you this question. Do you understand the purpose of the gift? Do you understand that it's you bringing blessing to someone else rather than others heaping praise upon you for your giftedness? It's a different way of thinking about it. It's a biblical way of looking at it. So the church is not a place for me to have all of my spiritual itches scratched. It's a place for me to reach out and help address needs in the lives of those around me. So involvement in the body of Christ, folks, really is selfless. But the thing is, in our culture, we've made it about us. It's about me getting my needs met. It's about where my kids want to go on Sunday morning and all this, that, and the other, rather than us teaching folks that, you know, the thing is, Christian discipleship, it's about denying self, picking up your cross daily, and following after the master. And that means that I'm to serve within the context of the church with no thought of myself, but thinking only of my brothers and my sisters. Because isn't this what Paul says is the mind of Christ, Philippians chapter 2? So Paul is writing to these immature Corinthians who are making their spiritual gifts all about themselves. And in these opening verses in chapter 12, he kind of reminds them of this. He goes back into their background. And let me tell you what was going on at Corinth. You had these false teachers who had come in and were basically uh, telling believers that, you know, Christ was not fully God and Christ was not fully man. And they were denying the gospel. But they were so eloquent in the way that they spoke that many of these Corinthians were absolutely mesmerized what, by what they perceived was the giftedness of these false teachers. Now, they were absolutely heretics in what they were saying, but they said it so well. <laughs> that doesn't just basically describe the state of so much TV preaching these days. Man, you know, he may not be preaching the gospel, but he just says what he's saying so well. We've perfected the art of saying nothing with eloquence these days. And that's what Paul was saying. You know, it's just, oh, you're just so mesmerized by these false teachers and what you perceive as being the giftedness of these false teachers. But you totally don't even understand what spiritual gifts are all about. That's what Paul's saying here. And, and so the church then becomes divided over who their favorite teachers were. They were enamored with the speaking ability of some. And for them, it was all about credentials and it was all about the ability to entertain. And the result was this misunderstanding of what spiritual gifts were intended to be. So Paul goes on and he says there in verse number four, he says, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Okay, there are varieties of gifts, but there's only there's one spirit, the same spirit. Now, the word that he uses for gifts there in verse 4, I'm going to show you this word right here. I'm going to write it out, okay? The Greek word is this word right here, charismata. Now, what do y'all see in that word right there? Hmm? You see, you see charismatic? How many of you have ever heard the word charismatic before? We think charismatic. What's charismatic? Well, that's those people that swing from the chandeliers and speak in tongues and all of that when they worship. Charismatic. Um, you think about a person who has charisma, right? We say, well, that person has charisma. We're saying his personality has sort of a winsomeness about it. There's something about his personality that we find attractive. People are drawn to that charisma that he has. All right, that's the Greek word for gift that's used there in verse number four. All right, the root of this particular word is this, is this word, charis, which is the Greek word for grace. Uh, grace. So, so implicit in this word is this idea that gifts, gifts are a token measure of God's grace in your life as a believer. Spiritual gifts or an expression of God's grace in your life. They're salvation gifts. Gifts that you receive uh, when you're born again. You, you know, we give birthday gifts. Well, think about spiritual gifts as being, of, being like your birthday gift spiritually. When you got saved, God gave you 
charismata. He gave you gifts. And those gifts are to be exercised for the building up of the body of Christ, for the glory of the name of Christ, and the blessing of those around you. And that's what that word means right there. So it's the result of the work of God's grace in your life as a believer. And every born-again believer has a gift. You have something that God has given you so that you can be a blessing to the body of Christ. Okay, and again, it's not just simple talents. They're not just simple speaking gifts. And speaking gifts are only a fraction of the spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the New Testament. Okay, but... but Spiritual gifts, don't think I'm of as, you know, Warren Wiersbe said, don't think I'm of as, as being toys to play with, but tools to build with. And so it's a tool for you to exercise giftedness in the body of Christ to build up the body. That's why the work of the church is not carried out by one person or even a few people, but every member of the body is a minister. Every single person. The work of ministry does not apply to just those who are vocational Christian servants, pastors, staff members. The work of ministry is is something that every single one of us ought to be involved in as we're using our giftedness for the building up of the body. You know, someone says that too few people are doing too much in the average church. It's kind of like a football game. You know, you've got 22 men on the field who are in desperate need of some rest. You've got 22,000 people in the stands who are in desperate need of some exercise. But, but the body of Christ, all of us are to be involved in ministry because all of us are gifted as far as ministry is concerned in some capacity. All right, so that's what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is all about. Now look at what Paul goes on to say there in verse 5. He says, there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy, ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So so Paul's point here is that the, the Spirit... The spiritual gifts are not something to divide the body of Christ, but they're something that unites the body of Christ and helps to build up the body of Christ. That's the whole point that he's making here. Now we can get into talking about which of those spiritual gifts are no longer in operation. Uh, Gifts of healings, tongues, uh, a lot of the sign gifts that were connected with the ministry of the apostles and the apostolic age and all of that. But the principle here still remains the same. God gifts the body for the sake of building the body up. All right, now another passage of Scripture is Ephesians chapter 4. So 1 Corinthians 12 deals with the issue of spiritual maturity. Ephesians chapter 4 shows how spiritual gifts, uh, really it's an issue of spiritual leaders, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 7, and listen to what the Apostle Paul says here. He says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So again, he's making this same point that every person who makes up the body of Christ is gifted. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and, and gave gifts. And then Paul clarifies what those gifts are. Down in verse number 11, he says he gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, Pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Older translations uh, will insert a comma 
and, and almost make it read like, you know, it's, it's the sole responsibility of pastors and teachers to do the work of ministry. I've got a friend of mine who says that that's a comma that's left the church in a coma. Because what Paul's saying there, it's not that, it's not that pastors and teachers are to do all the work of ministry. No, their responsibility, their job description is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I heard J.D. Greer say it this way. He said, you know, he said, it dawned on me when I entered full-time vocational Christian service that I really left the ministry to equip other people to be involved in ministry. It's a different way of looking at it, isn't it? So all of us are to be involved in ministry. All of us are gifted in some way to bless the church, to build up the church, and to make disciples. So it's an issue of leadership, according to what Paul is saying here. And you look at the purpose, he goes on there and says that it's until we all attain to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we're no longer children tossed to and fro. So, so unity, spiritual maturity, in many ways, this is the goal then of believers who are exercising their spiritual gifts, building up the body, becoming fully mature Christian men and women. So imagine how different the church would be if every single member in the church understood that they've been gifted to bring blessing to the body. They've been gifted to minister, to build up the body. They wouldn't approach the church like some kind of ecclesiastical consumer, but rather they would understand that, you know what, I've got a contribution to make. Which, by the way, it's easy to criticize what's not right with your church, but you know what, it takes intentionality to make a contribution to your church. It's easy to criticize. Anybody can do that. Criticism is not a spiritual gift in the New Testament. But every single one of us can make a contribution in some way. And I think about how this probably plays itself out in ways that we don't see. Some of the most important ministry that happens here when we're the assembled body of Christ on Sunday morning, it's not what's spoken from the platform, but it may be acts of ministry and acts of sacrificial generosity that go on behind the scenes as one member is reaching out to bring blessing to another member and Christ is being magnified through that. That might be some of the most dynamic ministry that takes place when the body is assembled. Now you're not going to see a video of, of it on the platform. You're not going to see it shared on Facebook. But it's happening as, as, as members are bringing blessing to those around them. That's what it means to belong to the church. So again, I've got a contribution to make. You've got a contribution to make. Which is why involvement in the local church is absolutely essential to the exercising of your spiritual gift. How else can you exercise your spiritual gift if you're not in regular, consistent involvement in some way in the body? So it means my Christianity does not exist outside of the body, but it's not apart from the body, but God saved me and he's made me a member of this family, and by his grace, I've got a contribution that I can make to this family. Every part of the body is therefore important and must not exist for itself, but for the greater good of the body, for the common good. You know what we call those parts of the physical body that want to operate on their own terms for their own personal benefit? You know what doctors call those parts of the body? They call them cancer cells. When cancer cells are at work in your body, the body is broken down. And cancer cells, they're not interested in the health and the building up of the body, but only in the destruction and the tearing down of the body. So a Christian who's not serving in his spiritual giftedness for the glory of Jesus and the blessing of the church and being a blessing to those around him, if he's trying to act independently and do his own thing, it could be a possible cancer cell in the body. That's not easy, is it? That's just pretty tough, but that's just the truth. It's just the truth. But when every member is making a conscious contribution for the glory of God, man, I'm telling you, what an awesome fellowship it is to be a part of. 
So spiritual gifts, it's an issue of maturity. It's an issue of spiritual leaders. And then Romans 12 shows how it's an issue of spiritual service. Romans chapter 12. Don't have time to get through all of that. But Romans chapter 12 is another passage where Paul lists various spiritual gifts. You're familiar with the first two verses of Romans chapter 12. We quote it a lot. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what's good, what's acceptable, what's perfect. So he's saying the ultimate act of worship involves complete surrender to God. So he's dealing with worship. Worship then leads to service. And service is possible because of the gifts that have been given by the Holy Spirit. Because look at what he goes on to say in verse 3. By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, don't think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members don't all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith, if service, in our serving, the one who teaches, in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So so the idea here, Paul is saying, listen, as you're presenting your body to Christ as a living sacrifice, know that that involves you serving in the area of spiritual giftedness. It's you exercising the gift that God gave you as a believer. And Pullman says, well, how do I know what my spiritual gift is? I keep hearing you say we're all gifted, but I don't know what my gift is. How do I know that? Well, let me tell you how how you, you can find out. You can find out by serving. That's not rocket science. It's not. It's very simple. The thing is, you serve. You see needs. You begin serving and trying to address those needs, and I'll tell you what God does. God communicates to you often what your giftedness is, but you often discover it as you are serving, not while you're sitting around trying to figure out your gift. There's a lot of people sitting around trying to figure out their gift, but there's a lot of service that isn't being done. Let me give you some principles here. This is, this, these are not mine. These are J.D. Greer's, his book, Jesus Continued. I'm going to give you this and I'm going to be done, okay? Here's some principles. You want to know what your gift is and how you can serve in your area of giftedness? Here's some guiding principles. To begin with, a spiritual gift bestows an unusual effectiveness in a responsibility that's given to all believers, Most spiritual gifts are assigned somewhere in Scripture as duties to all believers. For example, generosity, giving. We know that all believers have a mandate to be generous and to give. And yet at the same time, I also know that there are some people who are especially gifted in the church in the area of giving. God commands all believers to serve, all believers to evangelize. Now, some people will use it as an excuse not to share their faith, the fact that they're not a gifted evangelist. Well, you may not be a gifted evangelist in the sense of the spiritual gift of the evangelist, but all of us are commanded to share our faith. And so the thing is, some believers are especially, particularly effective in some of these certain areas. And so a lot of what you see, it's people who have just been serving the Lord faithfully in the body of Christ serving to meet needs and the Holy Spirit has sort of honed in in their life and shown them what their area of specific gifting is and what their unique contribution is to the body of Christ. A second principle, we discover our spiritual gifts as we actively pursue those responsibilities. 
So if you want to know what your spiritual gift is, I know spiritual gift inventories and those kinds of things are helpful, but nowhere in the New Testament does the Apostle Paul say, if you want to know what your spiritual gift is, take this test. Attend this class. You know, go to this website and do this spiritual gift inventory. All of that's helpful, but... God communicates to you by his spirit what your spiritual gift is as you take the commands of Jesus seriously. And you see this all throughout scripture. I think about Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 13. You know, the Holy Spirit uh, impresses upon the church to separate Paul and Barnabas for their, their missionary journey. But you see, the thing is, they had already been faithfully being witnesses for Christ there in Antioch. And so as I'm faithful in the little, God will give me opportunity to be faithful in the much. So the thing is, as we begin serving, God makes clear what the gift is. I've always had a hard time believing that a person was gifted to teach who showed absolutely no interest in belonging to a class first. I've had people come up to me in the church and have said, oh, I want to teach this and I want to teach that. I'm gifted to teach. And I say, really, whose who's Sunday school class are you in? Well, I'm not in a class. Well, my counsel to you would be get involved in the class because to teach, you first of all have to be teachable. Or I'm just miffed that they've not asked me to sing a solo around here. Well, are you involved in the choir? Well, no. Well, why in the world do you think anybody wants to hear from you? So look for opportunities to serve and get plugged in, and men, just let God communicate what some of those special giftings are in your life. Another principle, a spiritual gift often reveals itself, here's a word, in the confluence or the coming together of what we're passionate about, what we're good at, and the affirmation of others. Y'all remember from school, you remember Venn diagrams? I hated Venn diagrams. I hated diagramming sentences and all that stuff in grammar class, but I do remember what a Venn diagram was. Okay? Now you're going to remember this too. It's going to come back to you like magic. A Venn diagram, you've got those overlapping circles that kind of come together, right? Let's see if I can do this right. <clears throat> There's three circles. Those three circles sort of come together right there in the middle. All right, so think about it this way, okay? Um, think about uh, affinity. Affinity. This is your passion. This is what I'm interested in. All of us have various affinity, things that we're interested in, right? Don't think that that you have to lose your personality for God to use you. The things you're interested in, God wants to use you right there in the area of your passions and your interests. Uh, your ability is something else. Okay? Ability is things that, again, uh, spiritual gifts are not the same thing as natural abilities, but don't think for one second that if you're good with working with wood, if you're a carpenter, if you're those kinds of things, God can use that as a platform for the gospel and you to bring blessing into the lives of other people. This third circle over here would be affirmation. Affirmation. Okay, this is others who are coming alongside in the body of Christ and they're affirming what they see as being a gift in your life. How does God speak? God speaks through his word, but God often impresses things upon our hearts by his spirit through the words that other people in the church say to us, right? So look at where all three of these come together. This, this spot right here in the middle, all three of these circles, affinity, ability, even affirmation from others, and often right there, right there is our area of spiritual giftedness. So that's what I'm saying. Look for opportunities to just get plugged in, begin serving, serve in the area of your passions, the abilities that you've got, Give them to God and entrust them to him. Do all that you do for the glory of God. Whether you eat, whether you drink, do all for the glory of God. Listen to the words of affirmation often that will come through the words of others around you in the church. And that's how you can really begin discovering some of your spiritual giftedness.
right? Well, won't you stand with me tonight? Got others I could get to, but I don't have time. First Peter chapter four, that last chapter on spiritual gifts reminds us that spiritual gifts really are a matter of stewardship. It's all about stewardship. You know, one day, one day I'm going to stand before the Lord of the church. And one day I'm going to be accountable to him for how I served, for what I did with what he gave to me. And you know something I want to hear him say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't, I don't want the works of my Christian life to burn up like wood, hay, and stubble, but instead I want, the, I want it to be something that lasts, something that was done for the glory of God, something that was done as a blessing in the lives of God's people. Lord, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you, Lord, for your church, and thank you for your spirit who gifts us uniquely to make a contribution, Lord, in the life of this fellowship. All of us can give and serve. All of us are gifted for the purpose of being a blessing, building up the body, pointing the world around us to the hope that we have in Jesus. Lord, as we serve and as we live our Christian life with humility, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts and show us what are those specific callings and giftedness that you have uniquely given to us. I don't want any person to be discouraged because they don't have a gift that maybe they see someone else might have. God, help them be encouraged by the fact that all of us have a gift and every single member is valuable and important. Or for those that maybe have been hurt, who've experienced rejection, Instead of hearing words of affirmation, maybe they heard words of condemnation from others that wounded them deeply. Or by your spirit, may you bind up those wounds and show each person how they're valuable to you and how they're valuable to the body of Christ. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for using us. I pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.